I like to get off script. <laughs> you may be seated. My life is not a script. I pretend to have one. <laughs> but you know, I, I, I found some solace. I found some comfort in, in as I'm trying to be this very organized, executive person with appointments and dates and, 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 and all these things all lined up. I tried. But I found a lot of comfort when I found out Jesus didn't have an appointment book. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm not that disorganized either. I, I'm rereading a book called Organizing Your Private Life. Maybe that would help. I read that in the 80s, and maybe it will make some sense now. Uh, today, uh, we, we heard a very interesting story at the beginning that Chip read, and it's out of Genesis chapter 11. It's the story of the Tower of Babel. But these are very, very mysterious stories. The other one that I'm going to read in, in a few moments is also a very mysterious story uh, about the coming of the Holy Spirit. What the world is that? Uh, and both are very interesting stories. They're very mysterious. They're very bewildered because what happens, you know, you just stand that little eight verses in Genesis and then something else happens. Uh, it's just like it doesn't make sense. It's not part of the story, or is it part of the story? These stories, we, we, we have heard them, some of us, since childhood, and sometimes we have heard them over and over again every year, and they may lose its real meaning, they may lose its significance, actually both theologically and practically. These are stories that make people who follow God a little uncomfortable. These are stories that the disciples did not know, but the one they were going to read is going to open a whole new chapter in their life and learning about learning to follow Jesus. So without any more preamble, I think you have your story in your worship guide. Uh, now, uh, you have the New Living Translation in your guide. I'm going to read out of the message from Eugene Peterson. They're fairly alike. I would encourage you to follow in your version that you have with you as I read this one. I will try to read slow. Why are you laughing? Come on. <laughs> I will try to read slow so that we can get the sense of both versions of the story. So he, listen to and for the word of the Lord. When the Feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. Then like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks, and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. There were many Jews staying in Jerusalem just then, devout pilgrims from all over the world. When they heard the sound, they came on the run. When they, then when they heard one after another, their own mother tongues being spoken, they were thunderstruck. They couldn't for life of them figure out what was going on. And kept saying, aren't these all Galileans? How come we're hearing them talk in our various mother tongues? Parthians, 
Medes, Elamites, visitors from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, immigrants from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, even Cretans and goodness, Arabs. They were speaking our language, describing God's mighty works. Their heads were spinning. They couldn't make heads or tails of any of it. They talked back and forth, confused. What's going on here? Others joked. <laughs> They're just drunk on cheap wine. The word of the Lord. Today I wish to introduce us to a new series. I like to present series, so if you uh, come today and you don't come next week, uh, you're okay. Because I usually do give a brief summary of the previous Sunday so that you can catch on. Uh, I know life happens. But the series that I'm beginning today in this Pentecost Sunday is called The Community of the Spirit. One of the reasons is that on Pentecost Sunday, in this particular day back in Palestine, back in Jerusalem, back in that rental party room that we call the upper room, it was a rental party room, okay? Back in that upper room, uh, uh, something amazing happened that transformed the understanding of the believers. They were so, so, so confused. They were so, so, so scared. They were so, so, so bewildered because their master had left them, and they still did not understand what was going on. If you go back one chapter to chapter one of the book of Acts, the, uh, the apostles are actually in the mount where Jesus ascended into heaven. That happened two Thursdays ago in our calendar, that kind of thing, uh, Ascension Thursday. And Jesus left the earth and went to sit back in the right hand of God the Creator. Then, 10 days later, the Holy Spirit is sent. But even when Jesus is with the disciples, and, G and the disciples had seen the risen Jesus, or what we call the risen Christ, they're still wondering, and they ask Jesus, right there and then, right before He goes up into heaven, they ask Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel now? You know what that question means? Are we going to kick some Roman butt? Are you going to get written out of the Roman powers? They're still thinking politically. They're still thinking earthbound. They're still thinking that the kingdom of God is something that we're going to establish, and we, the Jews, are going to rule over it. But when the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost, we see something very peculiar happening in the lives of these disciples. Actually, it continued to happen in their lives because it was not until chapter 11 of Acts that Peter begins to accept the idea that others that were not Jews were okay to be part of the church. We also remember this day because it is actually the birth of the church. The physical birth, that conception which God had created in God's own heart before the foundation of time, a community of people from everywhere, a community of people that God had created were going to be part of God's own family, and God was going to enjoy life in community. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit with God's creation, they were going to be enjoying that holy spiritual community. So God lives in community. But in this series, I want us to pay attention to three things as we go throughout the month. Number one, if you're taking notes, the sovereign God, as I said, lives in community. 
God did not create islands. Oh, I come from an island called Puerto Rico, but I always stood in that shore looking, I wonder what's beyond the shore, yearning for some other things. Oh, I had my community. I lived in there. Did you do that too? Is, is that an islander issue? We look at the horizon, hmm, what's over there? <laughs> and we wonder. But God lives in community. From the wandering desert people that God called out of Ur with the leadership of Abraham to a nation that he formed in the desert and in Israel, to a church, to what we are now, the community of the Spirit. So the first thing we're learning is that God, the sovereign God, lives in community. Number two idea that I want you to learn throughout the month is that the sovereign God who lives in community has called you to live in community with God, has not only called you to live in community with God, but also has gifted you to live in community with God, has empowered you to live in community with God. And the idea here is that God does not want you and Him to have that solo kind of thing, but that God's life in you should spread, and then you would build community with one another. That's the main idea. God builds community with us, so that we build community with others in God's name. Third, the sovereign God inspires the spiritual community towards action and change. And that is what this particular church, Latter Hope, is about. We don't like to stagnate. We know that if we stagnate, we die. Can we say that? If we stagnate, we die. Do we want to die? No. no. Therefore, I, I, I am very thankful to God that through the graces of three congregations that decided to close their doors, that fought to the end not to die, we come together for, for some months, four years and some months ago as Light of Hope. That was a brave step of faith to lose their identity to become someone else for the sake of others. That is a move of the Spirit. That is when the sovereign Spirit calls us, equips us, empowers us to build community where we're planted. One thing that we found out, or the, 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 the research team during those years found out, you know what they found out, May? Well, they found out the community has shifted. Has shifted. Oh, you know what that is? Has shifted. <laughs> it shifted from mainly a white Anglo community to now a community of 40% Anglo, 60% everything else, including me. See? So it shifted. So the vision team, this congregation foresaw, they realized that the shift had taken place, and they knew that they could not build a church just for themselves. Because they also knew that there is not an exclusive white heaven, there's not a Puerto Rican heaven, there's not an African-American heaven, there's not a Kenyan heaven. There is heaven. And we will all be together, and this is where we learn to live and give witness to the world that we are that spiritual community that God built and intended from the beginning. And I'm talking about multiculturalism. And I don't know if you heard the reading. And, and when the church started, it came from all those countries. And I'll get there in a few moments. So the spiritual community, so the community that God builds is called by God. It is called 
individuals, God has called individuals out of darkness into the light. And those are metaphors that we use to understand that God has called individuals out of darkness, out of not knowing, out of not being aware into the light of knowing and being aware, out of not knowing that God is no longer angry with you to knowing that God is your friend, out of not knowing that you can change people's lives through the Spirit to knowing that now you can be an agent of God in changing others' lives. God calls individuals to this community as a people who now have a God. Once we were in darkness, once we didn't have a God, now we have a God. Now we have a purpose. Now we have a standard. And God calls individuals to this community out of the north and the south and the east and the west. Multiculturalism for God is natural. Diversity for God is natural. Thank God God did not make all the birds parents. Thank God all the flowers are not petunias. It was a stinky flower. I still thank God the cows don't fly. I'm serious. But diversity is part of that creation from God. A, a, a gift, so not only are we called, but we're gifted. We're gifted with an unconditional love. We're gifted with unconditional forgiveness that we're not only to keep for ourselves, but it's supposed to spread and be poured towards others. I call love and forgiveness to be liquid qualities, like the rain that's falling, like the liquid that if there is a crack anywhere in that roof, it's going to come through. And we're going to see it. God's love and God's forgiveness is like liquid. It's like water. It is going to seep through into your heart. It is going to seep through the hardened heart of your soul until it gets there and it convinces you that you are forgiven and that you are okay. The grace that we receive as, as, as we are called into community has one purpose. And the biggest and above all the gifts that we have received is the gift of unity. That's what it is. The gift of unity. We're a called and gifted community, called by God, gifted with all the gifts that we have. We have a whole list of gifts of the Spirit. And if you limit yourself to only what Scripture says, you're going to be limiting yourself. But there are more gifts of the Spirit than what we have there. When Paul was writing the gifts of the Spirit, there was no computer like the ones that Jordan is running out there. That's a gift of understanding technology, science. So a lot of those gifts have broad names because they include many more. Not only do we have the gifts of the Spirit as a called community and gifted community, but we also have the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, patience, faith, gentleness, self-control, all of which are part of our lives. And as we learned last month, they are part of who we are, and they are all within us. What we need to do is activate and move them. Unity is the gift above all. Christ died so that the wall that divided humanity will disappear and bring all of us together. So we are actually called to unity and gifted with diversity. Don't you think so? We are called to unity and gifted with our diversity. In our first text in the, in the Tower of Babel, it is an amazing story. Here is humanity trying to reach unto God. Here is humanity in harmony, in unity of purpose. Isn't that great? But I began my statements referring to an adjective about God. I don't know if you caught it. I said the sovereign God. In Babel, humanity was trying to become God. 
and God sees it. In Babel, humanity was trying to reach from the ground all the way to up, and that is God's province. In Babel, God confuses the language so that they cannot become God, reach up to the heavens, and do as they will. Diversity was part of it. The languages were, were brought. God did create the diversity of language. It's not a condemnation. What happened with diversity is the problem. Humanity built walls. Oh, we're trying to do that too now. We're trying to build walls. So that's what they did. They began to get into wars. They divided the land amongst themselves. They actually brought more confusion. They brought more hatred. They brought more enmity with languages. So God diversified the language, but He, he did not condemn them. It was humanity to, to, who perverted the division and the diversity of languages. In our second story, we think about it. Almost the opposite happens. Think about it. If in Babel, humanity was trying to reach up to God, in Pentecost, God is coming down to us. If in Babel, we were trying to conquer and become like gods, in Pentecost, we are but jars of clay filled with the power of God for God's purposes. See the sovereignty issue here? God is a sovereign God, not us. God is God and not ourselves. So in the whole story of Babylon Pentecost, that which divided brings together. That which brought hate, now God's Spirit pours out into love and brings love. That which brought confusion, division, and enmity between peoples and amongst people, the sovereign God now brings together and calls it unity and gifts us in Christ and in the Spirit, bringing transformation and a mission to accomplish. That which brought hate now brings love. That which brought division now brings unity and oneness. In verse 8 and 11, we, we, we have the, the, a whole bunch of countries that were there. If I were to read it the way that we read it, we don't know where those countries are. But if I would read it like if it was the 21st century, and there were people from all over the world. There were Mexicans and there were Canadians. There were uh, Europeans and there were Africans. There were Iraqs and Syrians. There were uh, uh, Turkish and there were people from, from Egypt. There were even Libyans and, and Cyrenes. Actually, those are Cyrenes still. <laughs> they kept their language. There are people from Rome and from England. There are people from Argentina. There are people from Hawaii. There are people from the Polynesians. You see it? The verses afterwards says, and 3,000 of them came to the Lord. Meaning that the church was multicultural from the beginning. Did you not know that? That which created distance, now God brings it closer together. It was different languages they heard, but the same message, and that's what it is. The message is what brings us together. God is what brings us together. Not our politics, not our affinities, not our likings, not our preferences. It's Jesus that brings us together through the community as God builds the community of the Spirit. 
That which created distance, now God brings closer in the community of the Spirit, the church. That which brought enmity, now God's Spirit has reconciled and has sent us. So our community is a community of the Spirit. It is a community that God loves to live in community. It is a community, like I was saying, that belongs to God, that is gifted and called by God, but it's also a community that is sent. We are not a community to be stagnant, to sit in our butts and wait for things to happen. It is not a gift for us to be sitting here and enjoy the power amongst ourselves and allow oppression to take place, allow ignorance to take place, allow enmity to take place in our neighborhoods when we have the message of peace, when we have the message of reconciliation, when we, as we heard last Sunday, are the ambassadors of Christ, crying out, come back to God. Rather, it is a community of God, the community of the Spirit. Don't you realize, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourselves. You know, this text has been used and misused many times because it does refer to the body, and the context is actually a dual context. It's talking about human sexual behavior in that context in 1 Corinthians, and it's also speaking about community behavior. So it's combining those two things in community. And the original text would say, you all, so it was probably a southern Greek who wrote it, you all have the Spirit within you. Meaning, not only do you have it made within you, not only do you have it within you, the Spirit, but it is within us as the body. So the word body is taken in two senses, your individual body and the collective body as we come together as the body of Christ. Don't you realize the Spirit lives, dwells amongst us when we are together. That's the community of the Spirit. So in that sense, it is a community of reconciliation, proclaiming peace and unity. It is a community of forgiveness, of love, of faith, a community of opportunities, a community of second, third, fourth, fifth, infinite chances, a community of openness, a community of uncertainty and mystery, a community of spirituality. A community of the Spirit. There is only one body, one Spirit, as you individually and corporately have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one Father and Creator of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Amen.